Hello and welcome to the Behind the Box Score podcast, the podcast where you can find all your favorite sports coverage from me, Mac Mori, and of course, uh, my usual guest, my friend, my colleague, Alex Comas, joins me again this week because we've got a packed pod, my friend Alex, on the Behind the Box Score podcast. We're going to talk NFL trade deadline. We're going to talk a little bit uh, of week eight, and we're going to talk midseason report card. I'll go through my AFC, NFC seedings. We've got a bunch here on the plate today, but that's not all because Alex will be joined uh, by my brother, Asher, later on in the podcast to talk Clippers trade because he's a massive Clippers fan. I have not yet heard his reaction to this news. We're here. We're recording this on Wednesday, November 1st, and that trade now happened yesterday. We were going to record yesterday like we usually do release on Wednesdays, um, but some things happened, didn't get to holiday and everything. So now we're going to release tomorrow and record here tonight so i'm excited a little anxious to hear his reaction i know you and i Alex, have lots of thoughts on it so we'll go to nba later but of course for now we're gonna stick to the gridiron and don't worry alex we're not gonna talk about your absolute utter collapse against the new york jets in an overtime loss i don't know <laughs> how that happened you know alex i almost uh, got to Tommy the old- devito that's how that happened that's that's <laughs> that's how you come to that point <laughs> You know, I almost got through the whole intro without shitting on your team, but then I was like, eh, I kind of want to. So then I did. So sorry about that. I can't really talk, though, because we'll talk about my team a little bit later on. Kansas City Chiefs taking an L to the Denver Broncos. So for for once, Alex, actually, we're both kind of just in the L column since week one. That's It's the first time that that's been the case. So I feel your pain, I, man. I love how you... I love how you now have to call them by their correct name, the Denver Broncos, because for weeks you've been mm. calling them the ponies. Mm-hmm. And now donkeys, the donkeys, when they beat you or, or, or the donkeys. Yep. I mean, <laughs> now, now that they beat you, you have to, to be nice with it. You have to call them by their correct name. Yeah, that's, that's, you know, they won their Super Bowl, Alex. They, they got their Super Bowl. I'm sure they're all really excited. The season's now, uh, you can call it a success. Uh, they could just pack it up because uh, that's that's about all they'll accomplish, and they can enjoy watching my team from the couch in February. So all good, no worries. We'll talk about it more later. Not bitter at all. It's all good. Uh, let's get to uh, what was a fairly active NFL trade deadline. No blockbusters, yep. Alex, but a lot of pieces did move, and a lot of important pieces did move around. You know what? Let's start with your team. You know, I, the Giants. They trade uh, a defensive lineman in Leonard Williams, a guy that had been with your team uh, for a while to Seattle. And you guys in return got a 2024 second round pick and a 2025 fifth round pick. I mean, I'll start with you here, man. It's your team, a guy that's been that you've watched now for the past few years uh, progress from the interior. What do you think? What do you think about the trade? Yeah, I I thought it was a good move for the Giants. Uh, I mean, just looking at it record-wise, and I think especially, too, just the way in which the the result went this weekend and losing to the Jets. I mean, this team is very much on the outside looking in if they want any chance at trying to still make the playoffs. And with the schedule that they have, that's going to be a really tough feat to accomplish. So I think Joe, Joe Shane was realistic with it in terms of, you know, they're, they're very much – you know, you can go ahead and start preparing for next season. Um, and to get the kind of return that they got for Leonard Williams, a guy who's on the final year of his contract, uh, is getting up there in age, you know, I, it, it was the right move to make. Um, and especially, too, with, with the way the Giants' defense has operated this year, 
Dexter Lawrence is having a career year um, mm-hmm. as our other interior lineman. Um, so to be able to to have that sort of flexibility and getting rid of, of a great defensive lineman that Leonard Williams has been in past years. Now this year he has not been as playing, playing at as high level as he has in the past years with the Giants, um, in which Leonard Williams earlier in the season spoke to that being the fact that Dexter Lawrence is very much a Wink Martindale's guy. Um, and, and Leonard Williams says it you know, happens with defensive coordinators. Certain guys will excel in their systems more than others. Um, Leonard Williams played well last year under Wink, Wink, Wink Martindale's um, defense, but this year it's been the Dexter Lawrence show up the middle. Um, so with that, you could kind of see how Leonard Williams wasn't exactly happy um, in terms of the fact that his stats were not looking nearly as good as Dexter Lawrence. And for a guy who's approaching a con who's in a contract year, um, you know, I think he just wanted a chance to go to a contending team and, and, you know, prove his worth. And, you know, Joe Shane asked him, Hey, um, and Leonard Williams revealed this in his first press conference today, Joe Shane asked him, Hey, are you interested in, you know, moving elsewhere? and moving to someone who's going to be in the playoff picture. And he told them multiple teams that were interested, and and Leonard Williams said yes. So ultimately, the Giants got a great price for it, um, and Leonard Williams wanted the move. So it was it was a win-win on both sides for it. I completely agree, man. It's rare that you really walk away from a trade going, that was equal. That was a win-win. You guys got good compensation, a second-round pick this, this upcoming draft, a fifth-round pick in the next year's draft in 2025, and – the Seahawks get a guy at a position where they needed some some beef. They needed some depth there. They needed a guy who could step in. And he's not the best pass rusher per se, but he can plug a gap. He stops the run. And I, I like this for both sides. I mean, the Seahawks at their best were a defensive-minded team. That's the way Pete Carroll has stayed um, through the years. And that's the way that that franchise has sustained success is with on the defensive side of the football. So I'm excited for both them. And you, you mentioned, you know, Leonard Williams wanted to go to a contender. And at first you go Seattle, a contender this year. Hey, we're halfway through the season. They're in the lead in the division in the NFC West. And they just added what was a good football player. And, and heck, they added Frank Clark, not in a trade, but uh, in technically free agency after getting waived by the Broncos. That's a guy who, at least in the playoffs, could add some serious pass rush help for you as well if you're Seattle. And the Giants, like you said, yeah, just looking forward over the draft, trying to build, gain some assets, and you do that a second-round pick for a guy who was on his con- contract year anyway for you guys. This is a huge win, I think, for for the New York Giants. Way to go, man. That That's, hey, maybe not all the regular season dubs are happening, but, hey, a little mid-season trade win where you take that. That's got to feel good. Yeah, it, it feels great. However, Mac, you, you had to add some doom to that with yesterday sending me a tweet about how a uh, Dory Jackson, apparently, apparently the Niners Oof. and the Giants had agreed to trade for a Dory Jackson, but they failed to get the paperwork in on time before the deadline. Now today, John Lynch came out and said that that was a lie, but uh, the reporter who put out that report, he stood by it. He stood by it and said, okay, fine. You don't want to admit that embarrassment, but, the guy stood by it. Wow, I love that. Yeah, I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to admit that either. I mean, that that is so embarrassing. And if that is true, that is just classic Giants move. Not getting a trade in because you didn't get the paperwork done in time. Uh, another player that maybe could have garnered you some future draft capital ended up not happening. I mean, but has not played well this year either. Yeah, I mean, it would exactly. have been great any return you got. 
yeah, that would have been a, a massive dub. If that really is the case, then yeah, that sucks. But nevertheless, trade Leonard Williams, get a second and a fifth. Let's go over to the Chicago Bears. They traded for Montez, Montez Sweat, and they sent Washington a 2024 second round pick. Now, when I first saw this, I was like, uh, okay. And then you look into a little bit. Contract year for Montez Sweat. And you traded a second round pick. And it, this isn't a Seahawks team who we're talking about maybe contending, trying to see go deep in the playoffs in the lead of their division. This is the Washington football team, or the, excuse me, this is the Chicago Bears in their division that they're, 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 they're years away from being, forget contender, even relevant in, in the National Football League right now. And, and, and this is not the time to use your draft capital. So you get rid of a second-round pick. You know what you could have done? You could have waited eight weeks. Literally, you could have waited eight weeks, kept your second-round pick, and then signed Montez Sweat, who Washington probably wasn't going to retain anyways. They, they were looking to probably drop him after this year. Anyways, they were obviously looking to trade him. So you could have maybe waited it out a couple of months and then just spent the money for Montez Sweat and kept your second-round pick. Two years in a row, Ryan Pohl is giving away a second-round pick. Last year, it was for Chase Claypool. We saw how that worked out. They've already had to dump him. I just think, man, this if this doesn't work out, it, well, here's the thing. Even if it works out, Montez Sweat's a great player. If he plays great for the Bears, that's awesome. But either way, you're going to constantly look at this trade and go, well, did we have to get rid of that second-round pick? I mean, what if that second-round pick next year ends up being a great player? I mean, a lot of second-round picks do. I mean, this is just overall just bad management from Ryan Poles. Yet again, the Chicago Bears fans have to be infuriated. Yeah, uh, I mean... I completely agree with it. They're going to be one of the top teams. They'll have the most cap room in the offseason, so mm-hmm. they very much could have signed him. And, look, I, I guess this giving up the second-round pick and getting him now is that, for one, the team is is three – what are they, three and five, Mac? I mean, they're – in, in the NFC North, that is very much up Two for six. grabs. Two and six. Two and six. Okay. Two and six. NFC North that the Lions look like they're running away with it right now because you know the, with the Kirk Cousins injury for the Vikings maybe the Bears think that they'll they'll sneak in somehow in a wild card but also too maybe they think that getting him now and trying to and agree to a contract extension with him now um, prior to him hitting free agency they won't have to outbid other teams and they get him at a price that they want I mean that's the only reasoning that I could think of in this and giving up a valuable second round pick, like you mentioned, because that could be used and that could be a hell of a lot more valuable than, than just trading for him for a team that odds are probably still isn't going to make the playoffs. And it's not going to significantly alter a defense that is already pretty bad. Yeah, really bad. I mean, Jaquan Briskers, like they're one player of note, really, obviously. I, I, they don't really have a whole lot else on that side of the ball. Montez Sweat, again, a player that I really, really like. It's nothing against his talents or his abilities. But for the future of the Chicago Bears, this was not in their best interest. Now, I, I hope, like you, you said, that there maybe was a wink-wink kind of nudge-nudge deal here where, hey, we're going to bring you in, we're going to trade for you, and then we're going to agree to this extension, and they already had some terms kind of lined up. And maybe in the next couple of days, we'll see that come through, come to fruition. But as of right now, I, I think this is a total L. And and part of the reason, the other half of that is another trade that happened. Uh, Chase Young, same team, Washington, great pass rusher, same position. He got traded to the Niners, a younger, better player, traded to the Niners for a third-round pick. So that's right. Bears get Montez Sweat. 
for a second round pick and a contract here. And and Chase Young goes to the Niners, a better younger player, for a third round pick. I, I mean, it just doesn't make sense. A 35th pick to get sweat, the Niners get young for an 85th pick. And and also, too, the Niners will get a compensatory pick back if Chase Young mm. doesn't re-sign with them this offseason. Which is going to be a third. And now the Niners have two of the top five uh, edge rushers so far. Uh, two of the top five edge rushers in the NFL so far in terms of pass pressures uh, this season. And Nick Bosa and Chase Young. So to be able to to do that for a third-round pick and go, hey, and two, if we don't re-sign him, not a big deal. We'll be fine. We'll get a pick back. You'd say Chase Young is top five in terms of just pass rushing in general this year? Is that what you'd say? Statistically, he has uh, he's in the top five for I'm going to pull up the exact stat for it so I could read it off, but he statistically he ranks up there in top five. Are you just talking pressures and stuff like that? Yeah, I could believe yes, that. Yeah, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As far as pressures are concerned, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. No, I mean, Chase Young's an absolute monster, and that's with him not having been healthy a lot of his career, and he's still been able to progress and figure it out. An athletic freak. Really excited to see Chase Young and Bosa side by side. Uh, I'm not in the NFC, so I don't have to worry about it quite as much. Maybe come February, if I'm lucky, I'll have to worry about it. But right now, uh, that's huge. And I mean, for a team, and if you look at the Niners here, yeah, like you said, they could get a comp pit back, which would be a third-round pick, which is what they gave up if Chase Young not, ends up not re-signing and all those sorts of things. And they've lost three games in a row. This is a three-game skid for San Francisco. They needed to really add something. As much as you want to look at the roster and go, this roster is great. Three losses will tell you maybe otherwise that there are some holes on that squad. And I think another pass rusher was one of them. And now you look edge rusher to be specific here, edge rusher, because if you look at their overall D line, I mean, gosh, Hargrave, Kinlaw, Bosa, Chase Young, it just, it's endless. It's endless talent now for San Francisco. And you add another guy again on the edge who can just get up and go bend around the corner, bull rush, do it all with one of the guys who's top his position in Bosa. I, I mean, what a steal. And it makes that Bears trade look even worse. Uh, next so, trade here. So with here, yeah. hold on, Mac. I, I just wanted to, to add this. So this from next, this from NFL Next Gen Stats. Okay. So Chase Young has generated a career high seventeen point two pressure rate this season. So the Niners now have two of the top five defenders and quarterback pressures this season. Number one, you have Josh Allen from Jacksonville. Two, Micah Parsons from Cowboys, obviously. Three, Josh Sweat in Philadelphia. And then four and five is Nick Bosa Ooh. and Chase Young. That's insane. And think about how those numbers will go up, not only for those two with being together now on the same team, on the field at the same time, but those guys inside. I mean, Hargrave and Kinlaw and those boys. I mean, everyone is going to eat from this trade. Um, and it's scary. It's scary stuff. Excited to see them. Uh, Josh Jobs. This is exciting. Former Vol. Let's go. Josh Jobs traded from Arizona to... Minnesota to the Vikings, swap of a sixth and a seventh. Uh, so really, if you're Arizona, nice. Y you get something here for Josh Jobs. You didn't think you were going to get anything. Y he's not going to be on the squad next year anyways. And now Minnesota. I mean, this is a guy in Josh Jobs who can step in and make some things happen. We're talking about the Vikings, you know, trying to have a chance and be viable for playoff contention at four and four right now. And, and Dobbs can can sort of do that. He he, he provides a, a mobility and a rushing aspect, too, to their offense that they haven't had really in a long time. Kirk Cousins doesn't have any of that. Dobbs has some wheels. You can do some read option stuff. Obviously, he's not a, a, as good of a quarterback, but 
he provides a different layer to this offense and at least keeps them as a, you know, a sort of contender in uh, what is a average NFC North. He can, he can keep their offensive float with as yep. many weapons as they have at wide receiver. Uh, and especially too, once Justin Jefferson gets back, their offensive line is good enough to allow him to hold up in the pocket as lo- as you know as much as he needs to. And like you mentioned, he's got the wheels to make it work outside the pocket when he needs to get out. So I, I think this is a great addition. They needed some sort of you know competent body um, there at quarterback to keep their offense afloat and give them a chance. And then just a couple other little trades here, Alex. Uh, nothing big here. Bills got cornerback Rasul Douglas from the Packers for a third round pick. I mean, I say nothing big. That's that's a good ad. That's a good ad for the Bills in a secondary. Yeah. That's they've had some injuries on the defensive side. Enter Davius Y, and you obviously Poyer and Hyde at the safety positions. They struggle to stay healthy through a full season. So Rasul Douglas does add some much needed depth and a guy who can come in and 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 cover some wide receivers. And, and Rasul Douglas so far this season is allowing a whole yard um, less to wide receivers per catch than the Bills secondary has uh, so far this season. So getting him to add to that to that secondary group um, for the good season that he's had so far, it's a big add for them. And especially in a, a division in which they're going to be going up against Miami once more, um, and they're going to be going up against now, now I say the Jets because they have a good receiving core, not necessarily a quarterback, but those are some good wide receivers that they're going to be facing off against within division as well as in the AFC um, down the line, especially come playoff time. Yeah, completely agree. And then uh, a younger wide receiver, a guy who I still have faith in, Donovan Peoples-Jones, traded to the Lions from Cleveland. That was for a sixth-round pick, uh, a win for Cleveland. This is a guy who was not going to be on the team next year, hasn't really produced, hasn't lived up. Uh, to a lot of what people thought he could be there for the Browns. They get a sixth-round pick out of it, and Detroit gets still, you know, I think he's 25, a talented, athletic guy who I believe still has some gas left in the tank there, can really maybe find a spot in an already deep wide receiver room. But, hey, nevertheless, I think not much to give up for a a Lions team that already has a a lot of, of good players on their team, you know, and they are now trying to they're already kind of here in the future whereas you got Cleveland who maybe still needs to worry about theirs and and gain some capital as they're spending a lot of money on a quarterback who's not playing in football games so Cleveland gets a sixth round pick for a player who wasn't even going to be on the team next year I I call it a win-win yep and and I was I was jokingly gonna say Mac and you kind of stole the thunder there Uh, they can afford to trade a a wide receiver because they rarely use them with their quarterbacks (laughs) They, they got Amari Cooper and Elijah Moore, and that's about all they need right now. Oh, and Njoku to throw into the fold, so. Uh, imagine if they just kept Dobbs. Imagine if they kept Dobbs right now. What what would their record be? I mean, honestly, it, it's it's insane to think about. I think they'd be, right now, what are they, four and four? Uh, yeah, they're four and three. I think they'd be, they'd be at least five and two right now, at least. Because even last week, they win that game with Dobbs. They win that game with Dobbs sure. last week. I mean, just I, I'd have to look at the rest of the schedule. But if you're just talking last week against the Seahawks in that 24-20 loss at Seattle, that was oh, that was a travesty of an L uh, for Cleveland. I think they win that if, if PJ's not in. So, and again, I'm a PJ guy, but that's just it's not it. Um, anyone else? I mean, we, we we talked a lot about the Titans, Alex, leading up to this, and how I think they should be sellers. And and you kind of concurred. They obviously did sell Kevin Byard before the trade deadline to the Philadelphia Eagles and got a fifth and a sixth and, and $14 million in cap space next season in that trade. But other than that, they didn't make a move. Do you think they should have been sellers here? We There were reports 
that Derrick Henry did have a deal to Baltimore and Amy Adams, the owner for the Titans, stepped in and said, eh, we're not going to do that. And that's that's about the only deal that I could see as to, like, why wouldn't you make that at, at this point? Um, honestly, the, the, and we've talked about it, Mac, the, the, the Titans are in need of more draft capital because they're, they're going to need to rebuild this team. They're going to need to get mm-hmm. younger guys in. They've kind of approached that, that point in which a lot of their star guys from two seasons ago are now toward the back end of their careers that are eventually going to be phased out. And now it's time to regroup. And especially too, the way you see Will Levis play on Sunday, you know, that was a great surprise for Titans fans. And now you could be excited about, hey, Will Levis might be might be it. He may be our next quarterback. But would you rather him continue for now for these next this next year or two? Play under poor teams that are just filled with veterans who are past their prime with no sort of youth cropping cropping into the fold? I mean, that's that's the thing. Do you want him to, to be on a good team sooner or later? And it just seems like this was the perfect opportunity for the Titans to start preparing for that, to just start going full rebuild. And instead, it's like they're holding on to this straw of, oh, maybe we can just sneak in there at at a – at you know nine and seven and and hopefully you know just sneak into the playoffs it it just feels like there has to come a point where they just go okay look we're not good enough to contend for a super bowl let's just start selling some good pieces while we have them and get some capital back and retool that would have been the time to do it i mean now would have been the time to do it obviously a couple years probably last season really would have been the time to do it but yeah now this was it this was your last chance to do so you're not going to be able to to sell derrick henry now and yeah, it's too bad. It, it's too bad because you're right. This team's going to be fun to watch for the rest of the season. If Will Levis even plays like a fraction of what he did on Sunday uh, and we'll see tomorrow night again, we're recording this on Wednesday, November 1st. So we'll see tomorrow night against the Steelers at Pittsburgh, what Will Levis does. And if he plays well, obviously it's going to be a uh, hype city here in music city. But again, for what? to maybe have a chance to win the AFC South and go 10 and seven or nine and eight, or I mean, 11 and six in a they're, dream. They're world. not winning the AFC South. They're not win- The Jaguars are going to beat them in the AFC South. The only chance they hold is if they sneak in a wild card. I crossed off the Titans last week and I already regret it because Will Levis looked great. <laughs> and this is classic Mike Vrabel, dude. I don't know. I, I, I agree with you that there's a good chance they won't win this division, but there's still there's still that Vrabel shot, man. This team looked a lot different last. It, it, the defense is good. I mean, we can just kind of scratch that yeah. off. The the defensive side of the ball is going to be taken care of. Even with Kevin Byard out, maybe they lose a little bit in the secondary. But that front seven is going to take care of a lot of their issues on the defensive side mm-hmm. of the football. And you look at the offense. The offensive line was, I mean, leaps and bounds better just because of Will Levis's pocket management and the ability to go boom, one hitch and throw. And then you've got, you know, you kept Henry, you have Tajay Spears in the backfield. Those are two solid running backs. And then the wide receivers, we already know. I mean, Hopkins is solid, and they've got some other just like wide receiver three guys filling in the gaps. And if if Chigakonkwo catches a pass here and there, then th- this team can could actually do something. I, I I had faith in them before the season, so that's some of this kind of leaning leaking in now to my take here. But I am scared. I, I am scared. But again, for what? Let's say they do it. Let's say some miraculously they do sneak in as a wild card or they somehow do win their division. 
what does it matter, man? You, you're, you're setting yourself up for a, a, a 14th, 13th overall pick, 16th, 17th overall pick, and not being able to really have any assets, have any capital to move up. You, you could sell and move down and just kind of gain some more picks. But then uh, there's, the, there's problems that come with that, too. It's just you'd like them to be on either one side or the other, and they just kind of keep hanging up in the middle, trying to stay afloat, trying to stay afloat, keep pulling themselves back up to the surface, and I think eventually it's going to dunk them down even harder. But we'll see. If Will Levis really is that guy, then that takes care of a lot of their issues here, man. Um, I mean, any other teams that you kind of thought, oh, wait, why weren't they involved here on this trade deadline? Yeah, the Denver Broncos. I, I thought we were Ugh. hearing for, especially for the first four weeks, about how they were going to fire sale. And, you know, with this disappointing start under Peyton, they were just going to blow everything up and – you know, we talk, they talked about how just about everyone on the defensive and off, offensive side of the ball, uh, specifically on offensive side of the ball, Sutton, Jerry Judy, they would be up for sale. Patrick Sertan, they'd listen to offers for. And what did they do apart from getting rid of Randy Gregory and Frank Clark? Like, what did they do? They did Which, nothing. And they got nothing for that, by the way. They ate money yeah. and waived both of them. So that was just they just admitted the loss and got rid of both those guys. Yeah, they gained nothing. Gain nothing, and and if if, and if that, yeah, go ahead. And, and now it seems like they beat the Chiefs. It, it what it looks like is they beat the Chiefs this weekend, and they all of a sudden said, "You know what? We may be good enough." We, let, never mind. Hold off. We're not selling anyone. That's exactly what I thought. And and as a Chiefs fan, I'm going, okay. If if this win that the Broncos just had kind of changed their whole philosophy as a franchise for this season to say, you know what, let's, let's keep these pieces and see if, you know, in this crappy AFC West, we can't sneak in as a wild card. If that really is now their mindset and that was because of the game, then great. I'll lose that game every time. Then if that's what it takes, because that's awesome. I mean, this is it's just terrible management. I mean, it's, it's garbage. It's setting themselves up for even a bigger disaster. And I don't even know if that's possible uh, with that Russell Wilson contract, but yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I don't know if it was beating the Chiefs changes everything, but just knowing the Broncos, and and I just feel like that's totally them. You know, them opening up the newspaper and seeing the AFC West standings on the net, on that following Monday and going, oh, wow, three and four, three and five, three and five. Well, we can we can we can do this. The Chargers and the Raiders aren't aren't anything. Let's let's go. And so yeah, just uh, more garbage decision making by the Broncos. But uh, got to give it to them. Good win. Um, Breaking that streak Mac. against Kansas City. Yeah. Mac, what do you think Sean Payton said like I did I didn't come here to to lose? Like, do you think he had a say in terms of like, I don't want to blow this thing up? Like I don't I don't really want to sit here and go through a year in a rebuild. Because Sean Sean Payton, you know, it, it's been a while for one, left coaching for for a year. All right. And those Saints teams were always competing. Even even in years in which they didn't really have the talent, they were always competing. So it's been a while since Sean Payton's been a part of a rebuild. Do you think he had any say in terms of, yeah, no, I'm not sitting here to, I think we could still compete with this team. I, let's not sell anyone. Here's the thing. Yes, I do think there was some say there for Sean Payton. No doubt they paid him a, an inordinate amount of money and they brought him in. This was their guy. I mean, he was... You know, give me a big part of all these franchises' decisions in the future, and I think this was one of them. You know what they're going to do with this deadline. But here's the thing that confuses me about that: is he was he 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 
just does not like Russell Wilson. It is obvious that he is not a fan of Russell, and he knows that he's not good enough for what they want to do and the aspirations that he has as a team, which is obviously trying to hoist another Lombardi trophy in Denver. And if they want to do that, it's not going to be with Russell Wilson. And to get someone who matters, it's to get a good draft pick. It's to be in the Caleb Williams running. It's to be in the Drake May sweepstakes, whatever it is. And so I thought that he'd want to be there um, and want to have one more quarterback that he could coach up and, and, and have under center for, for some time to come. But I, I guess not. I, I don't really know, I guess is my answer. I would think that he has some say, but I would have thought that his opinion would be opposite of what the Broncos displayed on the tread li- day, deadline. So I, I really don't understand it. But good for Peyton. I'm sure this was his biggest goal this season, honestly. I mean, bef- once he knew that they were actual trash starting the season, he was like, yeah, if we can beat the Chiefs, that's a win for this season. And they did it. So they broke the streak, got that uh, all that pressures off their back. So that's, that's nice. Uh, good for them. I'm... Was very disappointed in the loss. Also, just just so you know, as total lethargic effort from our team, Alex. It was so disappointing, man. It really was. Um, 102 games Patrick Mahomes played. I'm sure you may have heard this stat by now, but uh, that game, as far as EPA tr- per drives concerned, was his 102nd game. I mean, it's his worst game he's ever played. Um, just offensively, right now the Chiefs are having some serious struggles. If The way I look at it is Mahomes has one really good game, three, eh, I'll go two terrible games, one really bad game, and then like four, like good games, like good games, like, like above average, probably top 10 quarterback games. But that's the thing with Mahomes, the standard that he has set is elite you know, night in, night out. Uh, And so for him to look the way he has, and I know he had the flu, but miss me with that. I really, I've heard a lot of people using that as an excuse. I don't care. Uh, The dude's played on one ankle in the Super Bowl and played great. Okay, really? A fever is going to slow him down? I just don't buy it. And I know the elevation, the cold, I I know that can have some serious effects. But just as far as team-wide, man, something's got to change. And apparently it's not in the roster because they were silent on trade deadline, not adding a wide receiver. I still think it's going to work out okay. I'm not panic button mode, but yeah, I need to start seeing something from this offense and it it better be on Sunday in Germany against the Miami Dolphins because we know they like to score some points. So, (sighs) Mac, I've got a stat for you and and you tell me on on the worry meter. Let's let's just go on a one to five scale. Ooh, I love it. Okay, great. The lowest passer ratings this season under pressure Per next gen stats, number one Daniel Jones obviously thirty six point seven. All right, <laughs> Ob- zero touchdowns, obviously. three picks. Two Ryan Tannehill thirty seven point three, one touchdown, three picks. Number three Patrick Mahomes forty five point five, one touchdown, five picks. He's taking the longest time to throw this season, I believe. And per next gen stats, I think it's two point eight six seconds this year in the pocket that he's taking to throw the ball on average. That's the longest by you know point. One five, I think it was two two point seven was his you know next highest amount of time. So he's he's taking more time in the pocket, and he's having to also scramble more than he ever has in his career. Literally, I mean statistically more than he's ever had to scramble in his career this season. Getting out of the pocket, trying to buy more time, and I don't think that's because of the offensive line. I think that's because of the wide receivers and because of him. That's my reaction. Yeah, cause- I. I, I because of him and and wide receivers. It is not all on the wide receivers. I want to make that clear. Like Mahomes has to start playing better. There are guys that are open. If you look at next-gen stats again, if you look at yards of separation, 
I think four of the five wide receivers that really get snaps for the Chiefs are in the top three in yards of separation against their defensive back that's covering them. Now, that stat does not indicate how long it takes to gain said separation, but nevertheless, these guys aren't completely clamped at all times. These, The reading of the field has to step up for Mahomes, and he has to start trusting some of his guys. He just has to. I, I And Andy Reid has to start getting the guys on the field that need to be on the field more, and Rasheed Rice is number one. Rasheed Rice playing 50 to 60% of the snaps cannot cut it anymore. It can't. Has to be 80 plus. Has to be. He has to be on the field, and you have to get him the ball. And not all the intermediate stuff, because he's great at that, and I love all that. We need to keep that with Rasheed Rice. But instead of getting Sky Moore and Kadarius Tony, these little screen flips, these little jet sweeps, no, fuck that. Let's give it to Rasheed Rice. He's our yards after the catch guy. He's got the burst. He can break tackles. He, he's got some muscle to him. I, I, he needs to be involved a lot more. And Sky Moore has to just, I mean, we can't completely eradicate his snaps. But, man, for a guy who was on the Sky Moore bandwagon, I really was. I love what he has to offer, and I still do. I'm not saying that he's just a complete, you know, not an NFL player. But right now, he can't be a part of what the Chiefs are trying to do, it seems. All right, so one to five, how how concerned? Five yeah, after all of that, after all of that, I am a three. I'm going to go right in the middle. I'm I'm going to go right in the middle there. I guess two and a half would be right in the middle. I'm going to go two and a half. And, and w- de- one more, uh, one more oh, question yes. for you, please, please, please. If you had to eradicate snaps for one wide receiver between Sky Moore and Kadarius Tony, which one are you eradicating? Just erasing from the offense. Sky Moore, Sky Moore completely, and that's because. I mean, you look at our snap count each week. I mean, it's Sky Moore has gone down since the beginning of the season. He was at like 80 to 85 each week, it seemed. And now he's more in that 60 to 70 range, still more than most of our receivers. He's, he's playing a lot of the snaps. He's still like a starter on our team. You look at Tony. I mean, this is a guy who literally the Chiefs, Andy Reid, Brett Veach coming out and saying, yeah, we, we see wide receiver one potential with Kadarius Tony. He's playing, he's playing 15, 20% of the snaps. He's getting in there for seven or eight plays, and we're giving him a dump off here and there, having a jet sweep, some gadget shit. It's it's pitiful, and I and I, I got to trust the coaching staff at some point to say, okay, that maybe he's just not it. I mean, he's he, but I think with the ball, he in wasn't hand, in New York, Mac. They saw that same thing in him in New York, and he wasn't that. I know, but you you've seen him obviously do good things on the field, right? I mean, you've seen him with the ball in his hands make people miss. When he's on he's, the field. He's a hell of an athlete. He's he a is. hell of an athlete, Mac, but that's all he is. And I thought that would be enough for this offense to maybe get him in some space, uh, but it's not. I still trust his ability to make moves. I'm going to take the athleticism, I guess, is what I'm saying, over what Sky Moore has to offer, which was Sky Moore at the beginning of the season, I would have said, crafty route runner, good against man coverage, going to be a really good timing route guy, move the chains, possession receiver. That's what I had in Sky Moore, a slot guy, a, a, a gritty blocker, someone like that. And it's been next to none of those things. It's been it's been sad to watch. So I'm just saying give Kadarius Tony a chance. Give him more snaps. Screw it. Let's do it. Let's get him on the field more. I mean, Sky Moore is on the field entirely too much to not be producing anything. And, and trust me, it's not just him. I mean, Kadari ass has a lot to do with that, as we're mentioning. MV ass has a lot to do with that. I mean, all these guys have been playing like ass and they need to step it up. I mean, and I know that's not the analytical response that you necessarily want to hear on BTV, but that's what I've got right now. It's it. They've got to step it up and Sunday in Germany, we'll see what happens. Okay. That was a quick sidebar. I had to get some stuff out. I'm glad you asked those questions that under pressure stat saddened me greatly. 
but it's okay. A lot, I, a lot of season left. I can't believe you just you just did MVS like that. <laughs> I I can't believe it. <laughs> No, I mean, bro. Listen, I, I like getting my cardio in as much as the next guy, but this is this is getting egregious, egregious. MBS, you can't have one good game when I'm there and then just fall asleep. That's what you did on me, pissing me off. Um, all right, let's get really quick. Let's do this midseason report card. I'm gonna go through my seating here. We're halfway through the season. I'm gonna go AFC, NFC, one through seven playoff picture in each conference, and you tell me what you like, what you dislike, what you change, what you keep the same, and then. We will add my brother Asher in, and we will go full NBA mode, my man, and we will talk this Clippers trade um, with James Harden. So right now, AFC, one through seven. Are you ready? You want to? Uh, you can decide. NFC or AFC first. Let's go AFC. Stick with AFC. Okay, AFC. Number one, I'm, I'm sticking with the Chiefs, uh, and I'm not saying that's a wrap. It's going to be close. I'm sticking with the Chiefs. Number two, this was a tough one. Because you look at schedule, I think it would be Jags. But then again, I, as far as their team's concerned, out of these top four seeds, I'm the least confident of them as just a, from a football team perspective. Um, also, they got Ezra Cleveland. We didn't mention that. They got a really good guard um, from the Minnesota Vikings. We didn't mention that trade. So a, a good addition for them up front to protect Trevor Lawrence. But I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to have the Dolphins at number two. Jacksonville at number three. Baltimore at number four. And then I'm going to go Cincy, Buffalo, and Alex. We talked about it. I alluded to it earlier. I can't count Mike Vrabel out. Those Houston Oilers jerseys reeled me back in. Will Levis, flick of the wrist on his back foot. Tennessee Titans as the seventh seed in the AFC playoffs. I'm sorry. That's (laughs) like on this list, I could agree with most of it. Maybe move a couple around, but... Oh my gosh! There is no way. No way. I, I will. I will drink a cup of coffee. Coffee with mayo in it. If the Titans and Will Levis make the playoffs. So can I? Can I walk you through this? Let me let me walk you Go through ahead. the schedule. Let me walk you through the schedule, and then tell me what you think. Okay. So they're gonna play at at Pittsburgh tomorrow. You could agree that's a completely winnable game. Completely, winnable, right? But uh, do I think they'll win it? No. Really. Man, that 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 Steelers offense is completely inept. Completely inept. If we again, if we get even something from the Titans offense, I I don't know. I'm picking the Titans tomorrow. Full disclosure. I've got Tennessee tomorrow. Obviously, with this pick, I'd have to pretty much. Then they go at Tampa Bay. Okay. They've got a three-game road trip here. So this 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 is week number two of that road trip at Tampa Bay. Another completely winnable game. And then week three of that three-week road trip, they'll go to Jacksonville going to be pivotal as far as this takes concerned as far as the division's concerned they've got to win that game uh at home panthers at home colts they'll travel to miami that'll be an l at home texans at home seattle tough game but you get it at home you travel to houston and then your last week game of the season as is tradition for the tennessee titans they'll host the jacksonville jaguars dude other than the dolphins like there's no like elite elite squads here. If you want to say the Jags are, that's fine. I think they're a tier below, and you know that the Jags and Titans play each other extremely close. It's a bunch of winnable games in there, man. Seriously, and you've got a guy in Will Levis who no one has any film on. What if he just keeps playing competent football and no one has any film on him? I always take that into account as well. It's a, it's a, it's a fair point, and in the schedule, they'll they'll be within those games. Their defense has proved that they're going to keep yep. them within games exactly so i i uh, absolutely agree with that 
But at the end of the day, I, I just cannot see it. I cannot see it. Because I'm not sold on Will Levis after one game. And to be honest with you, Matt, going into this season, of the four rookie rookie quarterbacks, all right, you got Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, Anthony Richardson, and Levis. The way I would have ranked it going into the draft would be Stroud, Young, Richardson, Levis. I, I just didn't see what all the scouts saw in Will Levis. Um, and look, I'm thoroughly impressed by it, and I surely hope it continues because then that helps the Titans so much. The fact that they don't have a question mark at quarterback going into the draft next year when they'll have another a bunch of other issues to address um, with, again, like we talked about earlier in the show, get them getting older and needing to retool. So if Will Levis pans out, that is huge for the Titans, and I surely hope it happens. But I, there's got to be that adjustment period. You could have one game because, yes, like you said, no film, no Falcons defense, not knowing what to expect. Pittsburgh is a whole nother story. That defense is just like the Titans wanted, which is going to keep them in games all throughout the year. And when you got TJ Watt coming after you, you're, you're facing a whole nother opposition compared to a Falcons defense that has been pretty putrid the last few years. So I, I'm not, I'm not buying the Will Levis stock yet enough to say that, Oh yeah, the Titans are going to sneak in there at seven. Fair. I'm buying, I'm buying the stock more than I bought Ryan Tannehill's this year. From what I saw, just from one week, I'm not the guy who's like, I'm all in. Will Levis is the franchise. It's it's one week, but the arm talent alone, so, I mean, just sets it apart. I'm just surprised that you're taking. So so again, I agree with all all your seating right there, except for seven. All right, and not necessarily saying I agree with the spots of it, but I I'll, we'll just say those those six. Yes, I agree. They're making the playoffs. I'm surprised though that you're not that you feel more confident in the Titans than the Steelers team that I know in your power rankings last week you rated them pretty highly. I did. Defense is and great. Mac, I'm just gonna throw this out there. Now I'm not rooting for this. But the Jets, that Joe Douglas said yesterday mm. they expect Aaron Rodgers to be back. And if they keep chipping away and winning these oh games that they need to. That's insane. That's insane that that could actually happen. That that is plausible is unreal and truly unprecedented. I know it's an overused word, but it really is. Uh, tougher division, but they get the NFC South, I believe, to play. I think that's it. I can't quite remember right now. I'm that looking is at the schedule. That is correct. Yeah, so that, that says that's, that's nice as well. Uh, yeah, I, I get that. I don't think that's a bad take. I wouldn't have had them. I wouldn't have had them, but you're right. If Rodgers joins and they're able to keep somehow sneaking at these games, but I just think it'll course correct, right? Throughout a season, these games, they shouldn't have beat you guys last week. They shouldn't have. That that Eagles game, the Eagles had so many chances. Jalen Hurts played his worst game of the season. They were able to win. I mean, I don't know, man. I it it's going to be tough. There definitely is a chance. I probably have the Chargers and the Steelers ahead of the Jets. But you're right. If the, if the Rodgers things happens, then yeah, completely just throw these rankings to the side because that changes absolutely everything. Uh, okay, fair. I, I like that we had a little argument there, a little disagreement about the Titans. It is a hot take, no doubt. It's a hot take, uh, but I think that 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 should happen. That, that could happen, and people should be watching out for that. Because this is a Titans team that just isn't going to go away. When you have a defense like that, you're not going to go away. And I think I have more faith in the offense than I do in the Steelers' offense. 
That Steelers offense is horrid. Terrific. I I just it makes me sad. I'm like, is this football? Is this what this sport is? It's it's terrible. Um, let's go to the NFC. Number one. I've got the Eagles. I think that's pretty fair right now. I mean, it could have been an argument a few weeks ago. 49ers lose three games in a row. I'm gonna go Philly. Number two, I've got the Lions, man. I've got the Lions right now. The schedule's nice. The division took a step down, especially with the Kirk Cousins injury. Uh, just so sad. Obviously, no one wants that. And I, I like the Lions right now. They're, they're looking solid. I don't like them as far as a Super Bowl or a, a contender. But yeah, they're six and two. I, I like where they're at. Number three, I've got the 49ers. I, I think they're gonna. They're not in the lead in this division right now. Seahawks are. They're they're looking mighty feisty as Seattle. But I'm 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 not going there. I'm gonna stick with San Francisco here. And then number four. Got the New Orleans Saints. They've started to gain some rhythm on offense. We know what the defense can do. They're getting healthier as well. I'm going to go New Orleans wins that shitty NFC South. Number five, Dallas Cowboys. They're looking like they're kind of back, not week one back, but they're looking like they're they're really starting to figure some things out. Number six, I got the aforementioned Seattle Seahawks. And then number seven, Alex, we'll see if you think this is as hot of a take as the Titans. I've got the Atlanta Falcons. I like them more with Taylor Heineke, and that's kind of what's sticking in my mind. Is Desmond Ritter's done. If it is Taylor Heineke, I like that a lot more, and it's another team where it's, it's the division is bad, the schedule isn't that hard, and like the defense has played pretty well. They have weapons. I don't know. I They're 4-4 four and four right now. I Yeah, I, I don't know. There's no, it, it would have been the Vikings. I mean, the Vikings may have been above seven. They may I may have had them winning this division. Who knows if Kirk Cousins doesn't get hurt. But like the other, you know, honorable mentions, Rams, Packers look god awful. If you still want to say the Vikings, that's great. If you want to say the Bucks and and Baker get it done, that's fine. This past month or so, it's looked pretty pretty rough. So yeah, I'm gonna go Atlanta. You forgot the Giants, Mac. Oh my mistake, <laughs> my mistake. You're right. And as the eighth seed, just missing the playoffs, the New York Giants. So close, Alex. So close. <laughs> no, I I. Look, I, I can agree with, with a lot of that. It, the Saints, like that NFC South, honestly, you could just put, uh, you know, four names in a hat and just pick a name out of the bag, and that'll be your division. Actually, we're three three names in a hat because the Panthers, we yeah. both have crossed off. They're they're not going to make a push. But out One of the Saints, six. the Falcons, and the Bucks, it, it's really a coin toss as to who's going to come out of their division winner. And yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Whoever comes in second – they're going to make be making a push for that wild card spot. I like the Bucks a little bit more than I like the Saints, honestly. Wow. Um, yeah, I, look, with the Falcons, I will say, with the Falcons, so like you said, they have a lot of weapons. Do I trust Arthur Smith to use those weapons? No, I do not. But Taylor Heineke, look, the last two seasons we've t- seen Taylor Heineke just propel kind of this Washington team – when he was in Washington the past two years, propelled them to, to just competing and, and making some sort of push. So do I think he can bring that to Atlanta with the weapons that he's got at his, his disposal? Absolutely. So I, I do like Atlanta in terms of their offense. And like you said, their defense has, has been better this year than it hasn't been in years past. But the like the Saints, I don't trust Derek Carr. 
I mean, it's been a lot of dump-offs to Alvin Kamara. Chris Olave is having a down year as far as getting balls deep down the field, which is his specialty. You know, they're limited by Derek Carr, and it's just kind of a matter of time before they go to Jameis, I feel like. Um, and and then for the Bucks, like you said, Baker's been go- going back to being Baker recently, which has not been great to see. They still have a good defense, very much like the Saints and the Bucks. You could split them by hairs because their quarterback play you can't trust. They have good good weapons to use on offense. It's just their quarterbacks absolutely bring down their offense, and their defenses are both stout to where they're going to keep that team within it. So it, it's really splitting hairs with the two of them. I think Derek Carr last week looked way better um, against the Colts, and then in that Jags game, they score fifteen points. Should have been twenty two points in the fourth quarter against Jacksonville on a Thursday night football game. You look at this Saints schedule, expect them to go on a little win streak here. They play the Bears, the Vikings, then the Falcons. They're going to win those three games. They're going to be at home against the Lions in a tough one. Then they've got Panthers, Giants. They'll play at the Rams, at the Bucks. They'll end their season against the Falcons. I just think with this schedule and, and the way Carr has started to figure it out a little bit more, um, yeah, I'm going to trust them. More. I'm going to trust him and that team more than I trust Baker Mayfield, more than I trust... Desmond Ritter slash Taylor Heineke. I, I think that's I think that's where I'm at there. I, I I know it's close, but that's where I'm at. You know what Baker's got over both those guys? Playoff experience, Mac. Oh my god. Oh my god. Okay, cool. Two games. Sweet. That's great. That's awesome. So he's got what one more game than Derek Carr has? That's awesome. Cool. And a game Derek- he got cheated out of too in the playoffs. <gasps> we're not gonna go into that. <laughs> Oh man! Uh, if we had more time, I would absolutely roast you. It's okay. That's fine. Uh, Chat Henny. Any, anything's possible. It's all good. Fourth and one from a third and seventeen to a fourth and one to a first down to end the game. Uh, you lost to Chat Henny. So yeah, go cry about it, Cleveland. All right. Um, that does it for our NFL coverage. We are now going to be joined by my brother, and we'll talk some NBA stuff. So stick around. We're going to talk the Clippers trade. All righty, now we are joined by my brother, massive Clippers fan, and a massive help to this whole podcast behind the scenes. And now he's in front of the camera, behind the mic, Asher Mori, huge Clippers fan to talk some NBA. Glad we're all here, guys. We didn't get to do the preview pod. We're all on. Asher, thanks for hopping on with us, man. Let's do this. Yeah, I'm stoked. Thanks for having me. Hell yeah. Yeah, let's do it. Let's talk some NBA. So uh, we have not got to do this yet, uh, talking NBA. We didn't get to do our preview pod, so we're probably going to talk a couple different things, but we're going to start with what was a blockbuster trade. Uh, it was talked about for months. Is it going to happen? Is it not going to happen? What's going to be the uh, the deal if it does happen? Uh, Clippers finally did trade for James Harden. In this trade, Clippers receive Harden and P.J. Tucker, and then they just flipped Philip, uh, I don't even know how to say his name, guys, to be honest. Petrusev? Is that it? I haven't heard it yet. Yeah. That sounds right. Sure. Yeah, let's just say, yeah, Petrusev, he was another kind of add-in on this trade. He's already uh, been flipped to Sacramento for some cash. The 76ers, in return, get Robert Covington. I know that's a guy you love, Asher. Nick Batum, another guy I know was close to your Clippers heart. Marcus Morris, KJ Martin, an unprotected 2028 first-round pick for the Clippers, two second-round picks via the Clippers, a first-round pick from the Thunder, and a first-round pick swap via the Clippers. So quite a mighty haul for Philly. Let's start with the Clippers side. And Asher, you're the Clippers fan here. 
And for all the listeners, I have not yet even heard his thoughts. This would be a moment, you know, brother to brother. I'd call him, be like, "Bro, what about this? Oh my God, what happened?" And we just like we didn't for the sake of this podcast. So on the edge of my seat, what do you think, bro? This is it. You got Harden, Russell, Paul George, Kawhi. That's your team. Like this is this is all in. Like what what do you think? Yeah, yeah, you're right. We just kind of stayed stayed silent for a couple days, you know, made sure none no opinions were passed so that this would work out. I yes. um have been through a lot over the past couple of days. Um some <laughs> some figuring out exactly how I'm supposed to feel as a fan, you know, figuring out um how I should feel as more of the analyst side of things. Um I will say I didn't want this trade to happen. I'll start there before wow. before it went through. So that was where I was at okay. previous to it to it becoming official. There were a couple things that I thought would be necessary to push the trade through. Um, you probably already know that th- these, but we had two first round picks outright ours, not swaps with OKC or anything um, that we had to trade. And we were able to keep one of those as well as Terrence Mann, um, who we consider, you know, a youth asset, even though he's like 27, 28 years old. Um so because we were able to keep both of those, fill a hole that I do believe that we need to fill. Right now we have we have literally a Bones Highland who's going to be our eighth or ninth player now, but we have him playing lots of minutes in the point guard position as opposed to just playing shooting guard. Um, and that's because we don't want Westbrook to dominate in the true point guard position the whole the whole game. So we've been having to fill this um at the start of the season and it's been working fine but recognizing that there is a need for a distributor who can who can really rack up some innings for us if you want to use sort of a pitcher metaphor so um someone who can go through the season you know take us into a time in the playoffs where we can maybe be really creative with lineups and matchups but take us and 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 be healthy and play a lot of minutes and take over that true leader point guard position on the team. So I, after all said and done, I'm genuinely excited. Um, okay, great. Uh, you look at these past few years, uh, t- starting at 2020 with the Rockets, uh, just looking at minutes per game. He's been 36 to 37 minutes a game. So you talk about actually playing, being on the court. Um, when he's on, when he is healthy and on the court, he has been playing those minutes. And uh, each year since 2020 has averaged at least 10 assists. So he's been able to distribute, which is something that you mentioned. And I, I think that's going to be really important because, Alex, I look at this team now and look at this starting five, and I look at a lot of guys who love to have the ball in their hands, not necessarily off-ball masters. Is that a concern to you? What do you think about this ball movement? Because there's one basketball. There, there's not three. Yeah, and, and I was going to actually pose this question to Asher, too, in terms okay. of doesn't doesn't this put kind of Russell Westbrook back into the role in which he kind of was with the Lakers in terms of he's very much going to have to be more off-ball just like he was there and not be a primary option? Uh, you know, I know he wasn't that case with – Paul George and Kawhi Leonard on the floor, but at least he, you know, with those two, you know, the them taking games off for, for load management and for whatever the case may be, you're being injured. He's been able to still be a second, third option on the floor. And now he's, 
he's honestly a fourth option for them when perfectly healthy. So are, are you afraid in terms of what that does for Russell Westbrook's impact for the Clippers moving forward and, you know, how it can lead to, because we've seen it with Westbrook before, just that unhappiness that grows within him of being relegated that down, that far down the totem pole. Um, great question. Uh, we have seen that from Westbrook. I don't know if that's the, really the story in, of him with the Lakers. So I would start there. I think there was a lot more going on that made him um, play. And, and I'm not even just talking about, you know, LeBron James, AD and, and being in, you know, I'm not, I'm not even talking just the celebrity status and all the things I'm talking. Like, I think there was some personal stuff. He's kind of alluded to this multiple times and he's in a great place. He's stated that now outside of basketball. Um, and beyond that, we have developed a very inclusive and nurturing culture, um, Terrence Mann and Westbrook would be the greatest examples of that. Batum was a leader in that. Um, it's one of the reasons why, you know, close to my heart. So, so I'm not worried about the, about the Westbrook becoming Westbrook and, and disconnecting and playing poorly and being upset. Not worried about that. I am upset. I think he's done a lot for the team and he's going to be coming off the bench. I have not officially, you know, but, but he's probably going to be coming off the bench in more of a similar role to, to when we were testing the waters with him at the very beginning, you know? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And, and honestly too, that, that'd be a lineup as well with Westbrook coming off the bench in crucial minutes down the stretch where you need defensive stops. Obviously you want Terrence Mann out there compared to Russell Westbrook is because if you put Harden Westbrook out there, that's just a defensive liability at the guard positions for you guys. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I totally agree. We, we have strong defenders and we have lots of options. Hopefully the idea would be to not have them out together very often. I agree. I, I mean, I think, and this is just my take with this, this acquisition. I think the Russell Westbrook, you know, side of this talking point is going to be a moot point here in a couple months. I don't think he's on the team here in a couple months. And, and I think that's because James Harden and Russell Westbrook played one season together. It didn't work out. They both left unhappy. They didn't really like each other. The basket, just basketball wise, personality wise, didn't really mesh. And so now the Clippers have kind of made their bed with James Harden. And obviously, years have passed since uh, their time together. They had a cup of coffee together in Houston. And now they've been to a few other teams. They've had their failures. They've had their separate successes. Uh, maybe they've gained in some maturity. It looks like Russell Westbrook surely has. I, I don't know if I could say the same for Harden. So maybe they can move past some of those things. But do either of you, what do you guys think about that? Is Russell like is Russell going to be on this team? Is that crazy for me to say? Alex, well, I hadn't thought about that. Have you thought about that? I Again, I, I, I think it's kind of one of those cases where they're going to see how it goes. And if it this turns into an epic disaster, they've got to do something. Um, because another thing with this trade, Asher, is that, that you guys mortgaged a lot of the future. So if there's a way in which they yeah. can get rid of Russell Westbrook and get some sort of you know future picks back, you know how meaningless those picks may be in the end, at the end of the day. Oh well, they just can use any sort of capital that they could get back. And I think honestly, with just Harden, Kawhi, Paul George. It, you know, Terrence Mann, Zubach, 
Zubak, like they can still contend in the West in terms of make the playoffs as far as going for a ring and what their aspirations are when making this move. That I don't think they would be able to do. Um, and honestly, I don't think they could do it now. I just don't like the assembly of these four guys together, PG, Kawhi, Harden, and Westbrook. And, you know, Mac brought up there, Harden and Westbrook, how it didn't pan out in Houston together. That's at a time when those two were the clear and obvious one and two options for that team. On this yeah, team, they point. are not. And especially with James Harden, the whole reason why he you know, made this trade request is because of his dissatisfaction for his time in Philly, especially last year with Doc Rivers, when Doc Rivers was just pouncing on him to be uh, to give up more of himself and, and be more of that distributor and, and sacrifice for others. And Harden doesn't understand that kind of that's the point in which he needs that's the transition he needs to start making at this point in his career. Um, and Harden hasn't accepted that and not to mention the issues he had with Maury and everything. So like for me, that's, that's my thing with it. I, I think it's, it's great and an idea in terms of how talented these four players have been in their career in terms of making it work for this team. But as far as the chemistry for it, I mean, you, you just look at Batum's press conference uh, comments before he got traded about how this team was really committed together and how they were watching film almost every day and practicing almost every day. I mean, they were a tight-knit unit, and you just blew up half of it for a guy who has been a locker room cancer in his career. So I, when, I, I, I'm just I'm worried about how it's just going to fracture a lot of things, and especially for guys who are on co- contract years, they're going to have to, if it doesn't work, they need to to deal some of them to get some capital back. Yeah, contract years, by the way, I believe is everyone, all four of them, right? Harden, maybe not, but I think literally all four of them, right? Yes. Yep. Yeah, yeah. All four of them. So I I get that side of things for sure. And um, the the idea, yeah, thank you, Mac. The the idea that um, Westbrook's usage and need, like, on the team, his role is diminished because of this trade. I can see that as, as a possibility. Um, I still think that even though it's possible him and Harden are not on the court, like together, what happened in OKC was three and a half, four years ago now, you know, um, feels like longer, doesn't it? <laughs> I feel like that was it forever feels like ago. Ages. It does. <laughs> yeah. Does it's it crazy does. to even say that how much how much Harden has done since then how much Westbrook has gone through, um, but no I I do think that it's something where I'm gonna uh, I'm just gonna wait and see on on what that relationship is like and what Harden can be in this in this different culture that he's walking in through where neither of them known it's neither of their teams, um, and they are not going to be the lead guys so there's not as much of this arrogance and and youth as there was in OKC. It's also LA, so you are going to be walking amongst giants no matter what. There is a certain amount of humility with being in in bigger markets. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, so I, I'm I'm just gonna wait and see. I, I I hope we keep Westbrook, and I think he'll still actually be very useful for us. But I don't know. Maybe I'm naive. 
I think if the personalities are able to get along, I think he could be useful. I do think even if he isn't, it's nice. Like you mentioned, Russell Westbrook's been an asset to that team. He could be an asset to another team now where you look a year ago, that wasn't the case. We're talking when you guys get Russell Westbrook, you know, late last season. It was like, wait, what? Russell Westbrook? He played himself back to relevance in the NBA, which in a couple months could serve as a huge deal for you guys because who knows? I don't know if it's going to work out. Maybe Harden and and Russell are besties now. You talk about uh, the contract years, 34 is James Harden. Kawhi Leonard, 32. Paul George, uh, looks like he's 33, and then you got Russell Westbrook, 34. One of the young guns on this team, part of this core, Norman Powell, he's 30 years old. You look at the actual young assets on this team, it's Terrence Mann, who, as you mentioned, Asher, 27. It's not like he's a spring chicken. And Bones Highland, 23, who you acquired last year from Denver. Um, and you look at the future first-round picks, 24s to OKC. OKC, 25 is a swap with OKC, 26 26 is to OKC. 2027 is a swap with OKC. 2028 to Philadelphia. 2029, a swap with Philadelphia. And they've also traded six second-round picks away, which second-round picks maybe not the best as far as acquiring actual talent, but just draft capital to be able to trade and be able to move stuff around and have some wiggle room. Seconds have meant a lot these past few years years in the NBA. If this trade doesn't end up with a championship, I mean, where do you... see this team going i mean how does a rebuild even happen from here that has been yeah the question mark on uh clippers fans mind for since the trade kind of went down with with pg and Kawhi. i don't know um besides the original trade being a success and russell being a everything considered a success if we win i don't know how much changes like you mentioned or we already touched on every every contract is expiring um, I ex- I don't expect us after this year, whether we win or not, to go with the same group. We might try to sign Maxes with PG and Kawhi and keep that going if we win. We might try to do two, I guess, instead of one. I expect that we'll have to sign one. Um, being PG, I think he's I think he's kind of home in LA with us. Um, but that's just what what I think. I think it's going to be full rebuild, five years of major struggle as we enter into the new stadium, despite what a lot of people think, which is that we're doing all of this to hype up this, this first year with the new stadium and stuff, it's going to be extremely difficult to impossible to look like this to one, just to kind of touch on that. This trade wouldn't have happened next Mm. year. This wouldn't even be possible. We're eating 30 million in, in luxury tax additionally because of Harden coming on but because we took two smaller contracts and in a trade combined them for a larger one if you're in the second apron that's not even possible that's one of the penalties so we are just scraping as much as possible together previous to these penalties coming up and this is it so sorry I'm kind of long-winded but I I don't think much is going to change unfortunately and it's just going to be a really hard road and also too on on kind of skirting the before the the new changes come next year to the salary cap teams in the second apron too are allowed to trade cash just straight cash for picks in which that's what the clippers did they traded cash in order to acquire more capital to then be able to ship to philadelphia so yeah that would have never happened come next year great point 
Yeah. Yeah. A couple of huge points as far as uh, the contracts are concerned. Um, and, and just looking at, at your future, Asher, you kind of say like this is championship or bust here sort of situation. And I just don't see this team being able to go the distance. Now, again, I don't know if this is the final version. My take is that it's really not. I think Russell Westbrook is going to be off this team. And maybe you guys go get a, get a couple, uh, you know, three and D guys, some defense, more more switchability, maybe another big man. Because uh, you got AD and Jokic in this conference who, you, you know, Zubats and, and Plumley isn't necessarily going to be, you know, your dream scenario as the front court going up against those two bigs come playoff time. But, yeah, I, I just think I look at this squad and I just don't know if I see it as a championship team. But uh, I'm a huge 2K guy, and this will definitely be a team I play with a lot on NBA 2K. They're, they're, they're a 2K goldmine. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> uh, oh, oh, oh. Okay, well... Listen, I can respect, you know, not thinking that they're going to make everyone's entitled to their own opinion, you know, especially this early on in the season. You you know the numbers, though, you know, top top five plus minus in the league, top five players plus minus in the league are the five starters for the Clippers. That's it. Those are the top five. So we're doing all right. Um, and uh, if there's anyone who can manage uh, whoever happens to come into um, our building, meaning on the roster, whether it be we keep those big four or whether it be something else, it's Ty Lue. And he's shown that, he's proven that. Um, we have fighters on the team that have shown that and proven that in playoff scenarios and regular season, obviously, with some of the biggest comebacks and wins in NBA history. But um, I think that we're ready for this this year. I think that we're finally healthy from the big injuries, and I think that we have enough enough to not so much rely but still play our starters all season we'll see it's gonna be must watch tv there's no doubt about that whatever side of this argument whatever must side watch. of this argument you were on this is gonna be must watch you you're just gonna want you're <laughs> gonna have to see this uh now let's look at the flip side here guys uh, before we get out of here philadelphia 76ers uh they kind of restart here too. another big trade uh, in the joel Embiid tenure just trying to find him his guy his pairing what what is what duo is actually going to work um, and, and luckily for Philly, kind of like on the Clippers side, they wanted to keep Terrence Mann. Philly, no matter what they do, they're they're really believing in Tyrese Maxey, as am I. For both those players, I like really like Mann, and I really like Tyrese Maxey. They add Robert Covington, Nick Batum, Marcus Morris, KJ Martin, and then uh, some picks, an unprotected 2028 first, another first-round pick from the Thunder, a first-round pick swap, and then two second-round picks. So this was a huge haul. Uh you know, talk about how Russell Westbrook maybe not be on the Clippers roster. You look at the 76ers roster, I think there's a good chance all four of those guys aren't on this team. I I, I don't know. Uh, Alex, let's start with you here. What do you think about the 76ers haul? What do you where do you think they go from here? Do they keep all these guys? Do they not? What what's your take? Yeah, I, I like their haul because what they did was they surrounded Embiid with shooters and guys who are good defenders. Um, you get a guy like Robert Covington, you get Nick Batum, and you get Marcus Morris. And, and Marcus Morris can be a bucket when you need one. Um, so it, it's not – it's not. these are great pieces to have on the peripheral around Embiid. And now you kind of let Tyrese Maxey let loose. You know, he doesn't have to worry about sharing the ball with James Harden. Um, and it also, too, can give a little bit more space for Tobias Harris to work. And – Tobias Harris has struggled in Philadelphia. I mean, the, 
He's drawn the ire of Sixers fans throughout his Philadelphia tenure. I mean, now you've got one less superstar to worry about feeding the ball and letting him have his looks to work. Who knows? Maybe Tobias Harris goes back to what he looked like in his Clippers days. So, you know, I I, I like the pieces that they have surrounded Embiid with to work with for right now. And it's enough to where they're going to be able to, I, I believe, stay within the top five of the Eastern Conference standings until January 1 comes around. When those contracts that they just picked up from the Clippers, they will then be able to package them together to go and trade for another piece if they wish. Um, and, you know, the biggest name as far as the rumor mill has churned out so far has been Zach yep. Levine. And I'm not exactly sure how that one would work out. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know. I don't really know either. I, I don't know how that would really work on, on this team. Uh, I do want to talk about that aspect of it. First, though, before we get there, I mean, what do you think, Asher, as far as just this haul? Let's say these guys stay on the team for the, you know, until the trade deadline. I mean, you liked a lot of these guys, especially Batum and Covington. Do you, do you think they can work? Man, it's a breath of fresh air culturally, not to touch on it so much, but I'm a big culture guy in the NBA. And my gosh, getting hardened out mm, and throwing mm. Batum in there, throwing a Philly boy in Covington, going back home, you know, he's excited. Um, this is uh, just gonna be a huge weight off their sh- weight off their shoulders. Something that they really needed to have happen. Um, I think that you're a great point in the defensive focus. Um, I wouldn't call Marcus Morris a bucket, you know, but I <laughs> yeah, get it. I get it. He can get you one when you need it. He hey, it is Nick's days. He was certified. He was certified bucket. <laughs> he was. Listen, I'm a KU fan and all that good stuff, but uh, we we did have some struggles with Morris. But I don't want to harp on that. I think that they'll definitely need to package if they if they plan to actually compete. Which I mean, they need to compete with Embiid. They have to do something. Um, I think they're definitely going to need to package, and um, I mean, I'll have to develop it over, you know, course of time a little bit. Think, but. First thoughts, no, Zach Levine isn't what they need. Frankly, Harden on paper was great for them. Yep. Um, and it just didn't work out. But on paper, man, he was he, great. He was. On paper, I remember when that trade happened, I was so I was so in on it. I just was so excited to see the two-man game, the passing. Just a, a guy with Harden's skill sets with Embiid I thought was going to be great. And it did have its flashes, to be fair. It had its flashes, but obviously consistently it, it did not uh, serve as a successful acquisition for I, you know and this is off the top of my head and i know future wise longevity wise it wouldn't make sense for them but just winning this season trying to have a chance and the next season these next two years same team different player what about demar Derozan? is that is that a terrible take would he be better than zach levine part of me thinks that he would i i think he he look my my thing with DeMar DeRozan is he kind of operates in the same spaces in which a Tobias Harris and an Embiid operate in terms of, you know, he can he can drive down the post, he can work somewhat in the post, and then his fadeaway in the mid range is unbeatable. He's he's the be- one of the best in the league, but he doesn't. For me, he he's never really been much of a distributor. I mean, he very much could have showcased that in his days in San Antonio. Um, with how he's the main focus, main ball handler for that team. And he very much wasn't like that. Um, And he hasn't been that with the Bulls either. So, look, 
I, I theoretically, I'm a, I'm, I love DeRozan, but I just don't think he clicks within what they need right now. Um, and look, I, I, I'm really high on Maxi. Like me too. Me we've too. seen nothing but this guy continue to grow each and every year. And now with the that burden unload, unloaded with Harden, I think he could take his game to a whole nother level. And it could be a situation to where instead of going to get this this flashy name on the market, a Levine, a DeRozan, uh, OG Ananobi, who everyone's been trying to possess in Toronto, just refuses to give up. Uh you know, they can go out and go get a Buddy Heald or a Gary Trent Jr. Just guys that are even more talent to surround those guys with, even more shooters to, to get buckets for you uh, because people are closing out and keying in on Maxi and Embiid. I, look, I is, is it tough? Is going to be tough regardless to be able to compete with a Boston and a Milwaukee in whichever third star you get? You know, because honestly, of those options of DeRozan, Levine, uh, Ananobi, even if they had those three guys, one of those guys to surround, to put with Embiid and and Maxi, I'd still like the Celtics more. I'd still like the Bucks more. So I think their options are kind of limited on what they can do. So much so that if I were them, I'd almost rather keep a hold of those picks for now and just maybe acquire some more surrounding talent and see how it goes because maybe you could put together a Miami run and shock a team in a series and then just take it from there and and find yourself in the finals. Anything's possible. Yeah. Anything's possible. I, I don't hate what you're saying about Maxi at all. Um, Like his development has been um, one of the storylines that true NBA fans have, have loved, you know, over the past few years. Um, everyone's rooting for him to get a role. Everyone's rooting for him to succeed. That's just to me a fact, but, um, I, I mean, I don't know. Do you, is he, is he starting point guard in a, in a final series? Like that, that's what we're, that's what we're really talking about. And I think that's the difference between this heat run, you know, and kind of, and I don't want to just equate the two, but like, uh, Butler takes over with the yeah. ball, you know? So when it's game time to turn up, that's what he does. That's why the Clippers can do what they do. And I know that you don't like, but that's one thing. That's n- So now the guy with the ball is Maxi, who has to, do, you know, it's just a lot. Um, I don't know who they're supposed to get that is that star, is that person. It's, 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 just, it's just brutal. It's just brutal. But to me, they need, they need, um, a very confident, experienced, true distributing point guard. I don't hate that take. You know what they could do is that they can go out and maybe, you know, uh, I don't know if Tyus Jones maybe won't be for grabs right now, but if you can go get an experienced point guard that maybe won't break the bank that you don't have to completely trade all your assets for, not that third piece, you know, find a veteran. And then like you said, Alex, I love OG Ananobi with this team, a defensive guy who can still shoot the ball, uh, create something off the dribble with, with Joel Embiid. I, I think that would be huge. Now, you keep bringing up Tobias Harris, and my ears perked up earlier when you mentioned him getting more shot attempts as a Celtics fan. Please, give Tobias Harris the ball. Give him more opportunity. I think that's magnificent as a Celtics fan. Are you kidding me? Come on, man. That's no, I, I, I think if anything, they need to shove him more in the back, keep him in the corner as a catch and shoot guy. You don't want him as a creator for you. I, I think OG's a nice name. And I agree, Asher, 
you don't want all the distribution for Tyrese Maxey right now. And when you ask, is he a point guard in the finals right now? It sucks because I'm such a Maxey guy. I don't think so. But I don't think so. I, I think the same, but the same question you could pose for Tyus Jones. Like, do we do we really trust Tyus Jones as, as a starting point guard in a finals game? Yes. Yes, yes. I do. Okay. And it's not because he's better than Tyrese Maxey. It's just because I don't think he's going to make the mistakes. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Yeah, I mean, that's completely fair. That's fair. Maybe that. Maybe that's what it really comes down to is maybe it doesn't need to be the showiest, the greatest point guard, you know, in, in the league, but it needs to be able to be in that situation and not be the reason you lose and not to be stereotypical there, you know, but that that's kind of what you're saying. Yeah. Like Mac. Bring another Philly, bring another Philly guy home and Kyle Lowry. I know the heat are <laughs> trying to get awesome. rid of him. Desperately. What What is going on? Kyle Lowry. I mean, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Embiid can take a not to do this, but Embiid can bring the ball down. He loves to do that. Not he's not going to play, but he does. He he. So he, if you're talking a game, you know you're talking a, a quarter. You know you're talking that sort of thing. He can definitely turn up. But yeah, one thing that we haven't brought up with the trade is just OKC slipping in there and pretty much making it happen, lubricating it all with that uh, pick swap. So they get the um, the later one when we're pretty much destined to be absolutely <laughs> god-awful and traded the worst of all the picks, you know, as an asset for Philly. Um, and It's the Sam, uh, it's the Sam, Sp- Sam Presti specialty. It really is. Yeah. <laughs> hey, it's amazing. And, the, and they're now part of the storyline. We talk about us breaking up next year, right? We talk about what's going to happen, and there'll be a lot of talk for months on this, you know, but where are some of these superstars going to go? Because they can't all stay. So where are they going to go? And OKC happens to have been a part of this storyline since the beginning. Um, And I don't see why they wouldn't be eyeing this as a, check it out, not only are we going to win out in the public's eye on getting all of the Clippers' assets for a decade, but we're also going to use less than those assets to get the same people that the Clippers Mm. uh, got from those trades. And I could see something like that happen. Wow. Yeah, I completely agree. I, I, I love that. That was, yeah, that's 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 an excellent way to display it all because that's exactly what's been happening. I mean, they have just been milking off of this now for the last few years. And I mean, to, to tie in with the Clippers, man, I mean, they're they're still milking off it. They got SGA off of one of your first trades while you're trying to go get Kawhi Leonard. And now SGA is, you know, a top 15, top 10 guy. It's just unbelievable. I know he's so good. good. He's so good. And obviously, you guys didn't, no one knew he was going to be that. We knew he was a good player, but no one knew he was going to elevate to that. And he has, and it's been incredible. And yeah, man, if OKC can make this last push and get a guy or two with what they've got going on, that is going to be so exciting to watch. I'm so ecstatic for them. And yeah, well, I mean, obviously, we've been saying this now. One of the brightest futures in the NBA, I think it's starting, we're kind of entering the precipice of, we're we're in the future. It's it's now. They're they're right here. It's it's present. I agree. Dude, I agree. It's awesome. At least like the structure of what it's what it is, you know. They have the we can see the building being built, you know. We know we have an idea of what it's looking like, you know. It's cool. 
Okay, so that I think will do it for our NBA talk here today, guys. Just gotten through some Clippers, getting on the Philly side. I do want us to get together here in the next week or so because uh, I've got to brag about my Celtics. I've got to talk about Kristaps. I've got to talk about my boys. Uh, still undefeated, just checked my phone, did grab a win against, again, we're recording this Wednesday, November 1st, did grab a win against uh, the Pacers. And, uh, oh, wow, <laughs> grabbed a defiant win, 155 to 104. So still undefeated are the Celtics. I want to talk about, uh, so that's a nice one. I want to talk about the Knicks, um, uh, which is Alex's team, of course, New York, and then just the West, the East, playoffs who who do you who do you guys thinks mvp all those sorts of stuff i want to talk about it all <laughs> exactly in tournament, tournament. i want to talk about that i want to I, I want to go through i want to go through it all um with you guys so let's let's see if we can't get together again next week and just do a pure nba pod so maybe next week here on btb it may be a two episode week we'll do an nfl uh week nine recap and then we'll get together and talk some ball let's do it what do you guys say love it love it awesome guys thank you so much for joining in and listening to the behind the box score podcast again we will be here next week to talk some football and talk some basketball as well because both are in full swing stay tuned thank you so much for listening